Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. The Bible reading that Luke has requested for us this morning comes from Mark chapter 15, verses 21 to 32, after which Luke will come and take us on a journey together. So this is headed the crucifixion of Jesus. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but... He can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And now Luke will come. Good morning, everyone. Easter is probably my favourite morning of the year and I think if you're in this place and you are someone who believes in the risen Jesus then hopefully you can agree with me and also say that yes Easter Sunday is one of the if not the best days of the year. Amen. So if you don't know me my name's Luke I'm our cross campus young adults pastor so I try to get to Allgate a bit I try to get to Verdun a bit I try to get to Lobethal Mount Barker it's uh, there's a lot of you and I'm uh, doing my best but if you don't know me if we haven't had a conversation please come and chat to me afterwards because I'd love to get to know you now as I was preparing um, to share on Easter Sunday sort of how do you say something that hasn't already been said about the day that we celebrate every year. And I was reminded, and and go with me on this tangent, I was reminded of when I was nine years old and my dad gave me uh, The Lord of the Rings. Now, I think it was probably because I um, didn't sit still and I wouldn't go to bed, so he thought, well, I'll give him this really big, long, heavy, boring, lots of walking book, um, and he'll just, hopefully, that'll entertain him. Uh, And I loved it. You know, at nine years old, it took me a long time, probably about nine or ten months to read the whole story. But every night I'd get into bed, put the lamp on, 
open up and see what Frodo was up to. And um, it was just it's this incredible, immersive story. And then the films came out and, and they're okay. Um, <laughs> but it, I was reminded this week, you know, like, hands up, have you, have you watched Lord of the Rings? Cool. Most people have, so we can run with it. Um, but if you, if you were to jump in to the Lord of the Rings in the middle of the two towers um, and you might watch a, a 10 or 15 minute segment of the second book of three, of, you might watch 15 minutes of the 14 hours of film, you would, you would enjoy it, you would, because it's amazing. And you would look at it and you would see the moments and you'd be like, wow, this is good. Um, but you wouldn't get necessarily the whole story and you wouldn't necessarily see where it ends and you wouldn't necessarily see where it started. And I was reminded of that because as I was preparing to share with you on Easter, I think sometimes we approach Easter like a moment, like this standalone event when it's actually part of the big story that God has always been working towards from the beginning and that he is working towards past Easter. So we're, we're sort of, this morning, we're going to go on a, on a bit of a journey through the Scriptures. Some people try to read the whole Bible in a year. We're going to do the whole Bible in 20 minutes. So strap yourselves in. But it's going to be good. And God's going to, God's going to speak to us through it. So let's dive in. So we've started, and thank you, Ron, for reading. We've started in Mark 15 in the crucifixion in the moment where Jesus is on the cross and he's being mocked, he's being insulted. They're saying, you know, you said that you could destroy and rebuild the temple in three days. Why don't you just bring yourself down from the cross? Come down and we'll believe, is what they said. And when I read that and when I sort of thought and reflected on that, I had a few questions um, and so that's kind of going to form the basis of where we go this morning. But the questions I have is, why did Jesus stay on the cross when he could have come down? And maybe they would have believed. The other question is, why did it have to be three days? So he dies, and then three days later, there's a, the resurrection moment. So what's the deal with the three days? Why did he say to them that I could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. What's with that? And the last thing is, why are they even talking about the temple in the first place? What's that got to do with it? So we're going to unpack those questions today. So turn with me back to John chapter 2. It'll be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, open it up. It says this. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So that's what they're referring to. That's what they're mocking him with when he's on the cross. 
The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So the Jews there, they ask Jesus for a sign, proof, if you will. They're kind of trying to, I guess, test him and say, you know, what, what's your qualification for making these claims? You, are you a prophet? If you're a prophet, then give us a sign, like prove it to us. And I guess, you know, they probably had a right. He was, he was in the, the temple. He was loud. He was not being subtle in this moment, Jesus. He was making, I guess, I guess, a bit of a mess of what they were trying to do there. He was disrupting their religious and their cultural activities. And so I think the Jews in this situation are in their right to say, you know, who gives, what gives you the right, Jesus, to come in and do this? And his answer, I think, deliberately is meant to kind of baffle and confuse them. But he says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now, of course, they assumed he was talking about the literal temple, but John tells us that Jesus was talking about himself, about his body. And so I think Jesus stayed on the cross because it has everything to do with his body, with the temple. So then we have to ask the question, what's the deal with the temple? So what is the temple? Well, the temple is the dwelling place of God. It's the place where God and man can meet. It's the house of God. It's, it's the place where the Jews could go and worship God. And so when Jesus is saying that he is actually the temple that is going to be destroyed, he's saying that he is the place where God and man can meet. And I think maybe what Jesus was doing when he went in and cleared the temple, you notice the things that they're selling are are pigeons and oxen and sheep, things that were needed for sacrifice. Jesus is coming in and saying, we don't need this. You don't need this anymore. I will be the sacrifice. Because I'm the place where God and man can meet. And so they ask him for a sign. And as we read on in John, like we, we see, he doesn't give them a sign at this moment. In John 2, to 25. So uh, when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said, this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So, At this moment, they seek a sign and he doesn't give one. 
But if we know about the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see that time and time again, he does signs, he does wonders, he does miracles, he feeds thousands of people from nothing, he heals the sick, he raises people from death to life. So when he's on the cross and they're saying, you know, come down, prove who you are, give us a sign, he's already done so many things. And if you're familiar with some of the stories about Jesus and the things that he's done, when he uh, feeds 5,000 people, the sermon that he preaches after that leads to the whole crowd leaving. Everyone goes. They've just seen this absolutely incredible miracle and they leave him. So he knows that signs, miracles, Wonders are not what men need because we're fickle. Because we're short-sighted. Because we are essentially a mob. And one minute we'll say, Hosanna in the highest, the son of David has come to Jerusalem. And then a week later we'll say, crucify him. So Jesus knows the heart of man. So he doesn't give them a sign at this moment. But what he does say later on when they ask him for a sign in Matthew 12, if we can have that one up, Liam, it says, When some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jonah, if you know the story, was a prophet in the Old Testament and he had God gave him a mandate to go to the city of Nineveh and give them a story to, to tell them that there is a God who is gracious, who will, if you repent, spare you even though you are a wicked city. And Jonah, he doesn't like that option. (laughs) He says, actually, God, I'm not interested. I don't want that city to be saved. They're terrible. I don't know if you've seen them, God, but they kind of suck. So Jonah jumps on a boat and he sets sail to go as far away from where God was wanting him to go as he could. On the boat, a storm kicks up. He knows the storm's there because God's not happy with him. And he says to the, the other people on the boat, throw me overseas. And maybe God will spare us. And he gets thrown over the seas into the ocean and he ends up being eaten by a giant fish. And for three days and three nights, he is in the belly of a giant fish. Who's ever been fishing? Who's ever gutted a fish? Yuck. But Jonah's in there. And when he's in there, he remembers God and he repents. And he gets spat out onto the shore and he then goes to Nineveh to declare God's message of grace and truth that leads to repentance and life. So what Jesus is saying is that sign of Jonah, three days, three nights, come back out and then a message of grace and truth that leads to repentance and life, that's the sign I'm going to give you. And so we get to this point and we go, okay, so Jesus was in the tomb for three days because Jonah was in the fish 
for three days. And then we go, well, why was Jonah in a fish for three days? What is that about? So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, back to Genesis 1. Because what we're going to see is that God's plan for restoration, God's plan for that first Easter Sunday, God's plan for humanity has been there from the beginning. He didn't get to Easter and go, let's do this. Now's the moment. And while it was the moment, there had been a plan for all time from God to restore his people. So in Genesis 1, the days of creation, if you listened in Sunday school, you'll know these. But on the first day, God creates light in the darkness. In the second day, he creates order where there was none. The waters and the skies are separated. And on the third day, Genesis 1, 11 to 13, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit, each according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. What is created on the third day? Life. Life. But not just life as in like, oh, I'm alive. Life as in the dwelling place, Eden, where God and man are together. Where there's no need of this building of this temple because God and man can dwell together. So when Jesus is resurrected on the third day, he's bringing us back to that third day reality where God and man can be together where there can be life. Are you hearing me? <laughs> You've been made alive in Christ. You've been made alive by what Jesus did in the cross and coming out of that tomb. You've been made Alive. The resurrection on the third day is what the prophets had been pointing to, is what the scriptures were pointing to, is what the people of Israel were waiting for. Restoration. Jesus didn't come with for a quick fix, for a sign or a miracle or a wonder. He came to transform men. He came to change our very nature. In, Paul, uh, in, a, in Ephesians, Paul says, we were dead, but we are alive in Christ. He says, you were darkness, but now you are children of light. What happens in that Easter Sunday is complete transformation available to any person who would believe in Jesus. So the only way for men and women to experience the fullness of that relationship with God was by going back to that third day reality of life. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> I would expect to see more smiles 
from a room full of Christians when we talk about the life that God has given us. You know, sometimes I wonder, do we, do we catch it? Because we get so bogged down in what we're doing. We get so bogged down in life, in paying bills, in mortgages. We get so bogged down in worrying about where our children are going. We get so bogged down in all of the stuff. And we forget that there is an eternity with our Saviour that He has given us. I don't normally yell, but (laughs) it's Easter Sunday, people. God has made a way for you to be alive, to put His light in the heart of man. We don't need a temple because God has said that we have become His temple, the dwelling place of God, where the Holy Spirit would dwell with man on earth. Amen. So what does this third day reality do? It gives us redemption from sin, which produces relationship with God, which produces a reverence that leads to an ongoing life of repentance, a continual turning to God. And that is true life, a life that turns to Jesus. John, if you've read the book of John, he kind of he gives away a lot of spoilers as he goes. But in John 1, this creation recreated, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus brings light to dark places. And Paul in Ephesians says that we who were darkness have become children of light so that we would bring Christ's light to dark places. Some of us, some of us, I think we forget we're alive because we see a lot of darkness. Maybe in the circumstances around us, but maybe even in ourselves. Today, let the light shine in the darkness. Believe that the Jesus who defeated death can overcome, can shine brightly into the dark things. So in the beginning, God created life on the third day. Three days later, he created man. Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days when he came out to bring a message of grace and truth and repentance and life to the city of Nineveh. And the body of Christ was in the tomb for three days, but because of his very nature, because he is life, because he is light, he burst forth. So today, if you're far 
return to Jesus. If you are sitting in this Easter weekend and you feel nothing about it, if you feel a deep indifference or a deep sense of, nah, I've heard this before, then I pray the Holy Spirit softens your heart and that you return to the life that he paid for. He restores us to life. John 10, life and life abundant. But it's not something that we hope for now. It's not something that we hold to for now. It's something we look forward to. Because in Genesis, we see that God created life. And if we go all the way to the end, to Revelation 22, still the story is about life. Because that's what Jesus did at Easter, is he took us from death to life. So let's finish. Maybe, maybe stand with me and close your eyes. I'm going to read from Revelation 22. So the disciple John has this incredible vision of the end. And it's not really the end, is it? It's actually home for those who believe. And this is what he says. Maybe close your eyes and listen. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great seat, street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And the, let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And so we await and we remind ourselves this Easter that what we're looking forward to is not our holiday. What we're looking forward to is not 
the next thing in our life. But what we look forward to is that eternal third day reality where we will be with God. Easter is the moment, but Jesus is the beginning and the end. The resurrection tells us to look forward to eternal life that starts on the day that you put your faith in Jesus. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. If you're here today and you're feeling dry, if you're here today and you're feeling dead, then maybe it's time to take another drink because the Lord of life is here and He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Men, some of you feel a little bit uncomfortable about Jesus' love. He loves you as a son and He died for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus or if you're here today and you feel like you are far from Jesus, then take the moment, take the opportunity, have another drink of the water of life and walk in the life that He is offering. Father God, I just pray for all of us this morning, I pray for your church that we would see you for who you are. We would see Easter for what it is, the moment where life comes, where we get to become the dwelling place of God. And Lord Jesus, we eagerly await your return. We say, come Lord Jesus, come. To the places in our life that are dark and dead, we say, come Lord Jesus, come. To our family members and our friends that don't know you, we say, come Lord Jesus, come. Fill us with your life. That we might be a light in the darkness. Thank you so much for what you've done. Lord, we love you. It's all about you. We give you all the glory and the honour and praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, You can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.